We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been pretty easy too. I've had a lot of doctor's appointments and baby stuff and getting a nursery ready and all that. So it's been really easy. But uh, I guess lately, as you get closer towards spring, it's kind of like baseball mode is on and it's kind of like you see more of it, I guess. Um, so that's been a little difficult, but. Um, other than that, you know, it, it. I mean, I guess there were trade rumors last offseason, too. And, you know, going through that, I understand as part of the process as you get closer to free agency and everything's up in the air. So I understand it, and um, I just really try my best to tune it out. It's hard. It's really hard. Zach, um, Stephen A. mentioned get you some help. Paxson's built a couple winners in Chicago. Do you have confidence that, that your GM can can get you the help you need? Uh, they, they might speak differently, man, but, you know, I'm, I'm with the team, man. You know, I got I to gotta put the team first <laughs> at table, man. I got I to gotta put the team first. But, uh, you know, it's just the situation we're in right now. Stop, 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 stop. So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago the nightmare continues. Chicago Tribune sports page. Really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum. You know him? Never heard the Never name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. Well, when's he coming back? I said, you want to come back? And it was an emphatic no. We're glad he misses us. Sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Jordan Burnfield, who's sitting in for Wayne Randazzo, who's sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk. It's Matt Spiegel. This is funny, because we're trying so hard to make this funny, and it's not funny. They suck, so you don't have to. Baseball is full of suck right now. For some reason, they sing. With a duck duck here and a quack quack there, right? Take the last train to Turdsville, and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They won't stop singing. Lido. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid, and it is really flowing. What percentage is five bucks uh, on a hundred? They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Mesmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so badly. The three words that best describe this show are as follows, and I quote, 
stink, stank, stunk. It's Rosenblum and Spiegel on WSCR. 670 the score. We should be 670 WSUK. I know just what you mean. Welcome in. Welcome back. Saturday suckage. The WB Club. We uh, we do have some wake and bake news later on. The person over there is Matt Spiegel. Person over here is Steve Rosenblum. We welcome you into a day where I want Chris Bryant to be my Valentine. He's not the guy I want my daughter to bring home. He's the guy I want to marry. What? What taken. a performance. He's taken. Steve, is he? he's married, he's expecting a child, and your inclusiveness and openness is welcome in I, modern society, and yet still, <laughs> and yet still. Polyamory is not the way to go here. It's not, Let's, we're not having polyamory day at Wrigley Field. I love her, by the way, polyamory, lovely yes. person. No, we're not, uh, we're not in Utah, but your, your, your devotion to Chris Bryant is noted. The, the mensch that plays third base for the Cubs for now and um, in my world forever is put on a quite the candid, frank, honest, mature tour de force today, I thought. I was listening to it live the way you were, and then you and Bruce discussed it. And the, the thing that jumped out at me was the way he approached, do you want to be a Cub for life, right? Where... He's always said that. He loves the city. He loves everything about this. He talks like every Cub we've ever heard. Really. You might as well be Mark Grace talking like, sounding like Kevin Costner and wanting to be that guy. But then he, but then he talked about the evil Scott Boris, the dreaded Scott Boris. And he said, Scott's always said, I do what you want me to do. We've always asked our athletes to take ownership of their agents as opposed to being led around. And he's really one of the few I've ever heard say that. And here he does it under it. Part of it felt excruciating to me that he had to be quizzed. He had to be questioned. He had to be asked about the, all this. And he's looking around going, where was that north of $20 million contract? Yeah, 200. 200, 200 million, I meant. Yeah, I forgot a zero. It was wonderful. I just thought it was it was great. I, I'm all kinds of reasons. That was There were a whole bunch of them why I don't want to see him traded. Well, there's, there's nothing. There, there are no negatives, really, about Chris Bryant, the person. Mm-hmm. You know? Um there the there are there are negatives that can be talked about about Chris Bryant the player there is nuance to Chris Bryant the player it's hard to be great at baseball he's really 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 good mm-hmm. number 34 in the latest top 100 that came out on mlb.com uh the other day that's really really good whether you want to pay him like a top 5 top 10 guy is a decision that a front office has to make um, and that's why there's room for nuance and those kind of things. But, but as a person and a teammate, and certainly as a emblem, 
and a guy who speaks to fans, there is nothing to demonize there. We're, we're used to we're used to an attempt to demonize people as they get out of town or as they may be moving their way out of town. There's nothing there's nothing there to do it with. I, I, do, do you think people have tried to demonize him as a person? Have tried like I can't even this idea that he does didn't want to be here. Or that he doesn't want to sign here? Where did that come from? Because I don't even remember that breaking. That was never there was never anything to it. I, I don't know. I, I the the idea that there's ill will that that the fact that stuff flies around Twitter and that he had the perfect response to Twitter, which was the worst thing that's ever happened in America in the world. Yeah, in the world, the worst. That's and that's a true thing. I I believe that he that he believes that, but that is the kind of thing that gets started. People imagine, well, he lost his grievance. He's being held de- down. He, he can't go to free agency. He, he must hate them. So let's, there must be your will, and let's write that. And yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I don't believe that. There's, no, there's not, there's, there's not ill will. Um, but there's, is there ill will between the Cubs and Anthony Rizzo? He was unhappy that they didn't want to talk contract extension with him. So, I, I, th- there's probably a greater chance with Rizzo than with Brian, I would imagine, based on what I've heard. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, I don't know. They, you, if it is a business, then you can't. This is the business we've chosen. Hyman Roth said, "You can't, you can't really. You don't have a right to get pissed. I guess you have a right to get upset. You can, you can be resentful." But if you know it's a business, then it's just business. It's not personal, Sonny. Mm-hmm. It's just business. And that's the way Bryant sounded. And maybe Rizzo didn't. Yeah. But it's still a business with both of them. I think I think why it sounds that way with Bryant and is, not with others is because he is incredibly mature beyond his years. Yes. And always has been. And now... He's learned some and gotten more candid and more comfortable. So his maturity has stepped forward even more and the health of his perspective even more. I mean, he's just a different kind of guy and always has been. I I always remember the moment that we spoke. It was me and McNeil at the time. The Cubs were about to draft and we wanted to talk to somebody who knew Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. And you know the name Kevin AC. Oh yeah, San Diego. San Diego Union Tribune at the time. Writer, reporter, and he came on. We had never heard we we hadn't heard a lot about Chris Bryant. A lot most people in this town hadn't heard a lot about him as a person. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I, I wish I could find it somewhere. But Kevin AC's interview that he gave about Chris Bryant was the most glowing love letter to a human. Happy Valentine's Day. That I'd ever heard a reporter give. Like, there is, you will want to take him home. I wish he could marry my daughter if I had a daughter. Sure. Like, it was just everything about the guy. You don't realize what a good person this is. He's a better person. And we started laughing at him, and he said, wow, I do sound ridiculous, don't I? Oh, well. But (laughs) And that's all still there. there. There's There's nothing to go away from it. You know, one, of the things, one of the things I, I thought of while listening to that as I was driving in today when he was talking about essentially serving as the the tackling dummy, the crash dummy for the Players Association and making a statement and the way he talked about it, this is a player rep waiting to happen and this will be a guy who will be on the Major League Baseball Players Association board. He handles himself that well. He's... Versed in well versed seemingly in the in issues remarkable he's go- and he makes a great those blue eyes I love those blue but he makes such a great 
such an honest, believable person that his his words resound with the the candor and the and the credibility you want for somebody on your side. I think that's true. And and how about the ability to compartmentalize that he was used as a tool right. by the players union because he as he said and as we've said he had about the most perfect case you could ever make for this particular grievance. And there are people behind him. That's always been baseball's gr- baseball the union's greatest strength and why they've always beaten the owners when it's been some kind of work stoppage is they've always looked out for the group behind them. And he said exactly that. He said, my job in this grievance was to help players in the next round of negotiating. Mm -hmm. And he himself says there are no hard feelings whatsoever between he and the Cubs. It's not personal, Sonny. It's just business. Mm -hmm. That's the way it goes. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum. And by the way, we can get into the nuance of Chris Bryant as a baseball player and where he finished in war and where he is the last five years. And while his arrow might be trending down, I knew we would get to this discussion. Um, and I still could still be wrong about the, the whole nuance argument, but I wanted to bring this up. Tim Stebbins of NBC sports Chicago had sent this out on Twitter that while playing through injuries, the last two seasons mm-hmm. last year, his OPS was 887 with runners in scoring position. With runners in scoring position and two outs, he had a 955 OPS. In high leverage spots, he had a 955 OPS plus and a 153 weighted runs created plus. That's those are all A's on mm-hmm. this report card, and we know he struggled the last couple of years with injuries, and that certainly affected his his WAR numbers. I just, but but another part of it, we're gonna have to take a break. In a little, oh, actually, not yet. We're not doing that yet. But part of what he, part of what bothers me about this, is the fiendish rickets are kind of making the Cubs choose billionaires who buy up all of Wrigleyville and make the hotel and make the rooftops and buy the buildings and, and put all this $600 billion, whatever they've put into fixing Wrigley. I don't want all that. The message board, the video board's really nice. I want a team that wins. I want every dollar I can, I can get going to Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras. And then I want to add to it. I am, I would, I'm livid as somebody who watches the Cubs that I'm getting, you know, we have to start a GoFundMe page for the Ricketts to afford superstars. There's no reason they can't. They can afford the salary. They can afford the luxury, the competitive balance tax. They can afford all of that. Winning was the most important thing to Tom Ricketts, I thought, coming in. Sustained success was the most important thing to Theo. Every season sacred is what Theo said. I'm livid. It's their money. I don't care. Sell the hotel. Put that money into Chris Bryant's salary. They have the money. I, I, I exactly. Think, yeah. No. This idea that they don't, I think, is 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 a, is a misnomer. But what they're doing is what just about every other organization in all of baseball is doing, other than the Yankees. And the Yankees did it up until two years ago, which is choosing not to go over the rules they've made for themselves with the competitive balance tax. They're choosing not to go over. That's the nature of the CBA. That is the nature of the collective bargaining agreement. Theo knew it was coming. 
They're trying to extend their window of decency, if not excellence. They went for it hard the last four years. Mm-hmm. And this year is not quite as sacred as last year in terms of trying to do everything possible to win a World Series. Okay, that's crap. Uh, in, in, at this point, the, the inertia or ineptitude that Theo Epstein showed during the offseason leads me to believe I, I don't know who to trust or what words to trust because they never said what you just said. And we had this discussion a couple weeks ago as you tried to have it. You thought it was crystallized, and we weren't told that. You make perfect sense. You've mm-hmm. connected the dots, but we weren't told that. I'm working off every season sacred. But when the Yankees did it, the Yankees did it in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. And they Raldis still. Chapman, Andrew Miller. Yep. What they did was they let this play out. They were the Yankees up until July 31st or close enough. And they decided this year is not our year. And that's when they made those moves. And they still finished over 500 that year when they did it. They're in a significantly more different, difficult division. The Cubs needed to be more active in free agency. Well, well, but but can't you look at this team the last couple years that the way that they have fallen apart, the way that they have 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 decayed two September's ago? Yeah, Milwaukee stood up and took it, but. And then last year, the way that they fell apart, you can't look at that team and say not good enough? No, I can say that core needs help. I still like that core. I, I, I realize it's a leap the last over the last two years. It's a leap to say Chris Bryant's going to be healthy for 145 games. But I have to go in there believing that. It's a leap to say Wilson Contreras is going to have two good halves. It's a leap to say... Albert Almora is going to be because so much of what the Cubs do is get is their depth is wonderful, and their pitching, and that's why Garrett Cole was huge. That's why Dallas Keuchel would have been huge. What the White Sox did, Gal, Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez, they made a professional staff on the South Side. There's no reason the Cubs couldn't have done that. I, I could have done something. That team, you're right, speaks. That team last year mm-hmm. wasn't. As it stood, is it good enough? That's the team you're bringing to spring training. The team needed help. I still believed in that core. I thought it was young enough. It was good enough. And Paul Sullivan was writing about, you know, they were talking, Rizzo was talking about this team's humble. Now, Sully didn't believe it. He's He smirked his way through that column on chicagotribune.com. But that was what was said. And we kind of talked about it before, but the Cubs think, well, they just throw their gloves out there and they're the Cubs and it always happens good for us. But they needed help, and I don't care what it costs. The Ricketts have the money. That's what really infuriates me. So, all right, we're, um, I should tell you what we're going to do today. It's, um, it, it's a really good show, people. So we invite you to stick around despite the fact I'm on it. Uh, raising the level of suckage will be David Schuster at 1145. But... Deflecting that, it's the greatest sports story ever in my lifetime. And we will talk with Jack O'Callaghan, who played a central role in the team that authored the greatest sports story in my lifetime. Next Saturday is the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. And we'll talk to Jack at 1130. Talk to David Schuster. 
We'll get his thoughts on that Navy Pier experience. <laughs> <laughs> Live TV isn't that fun when Bulls fans gather around and show exactly what's going on. You know, you like to say, you were the first one I heard to say, out of town stupid, mm-hmm. right? And Max Kellerman. Oh, Max's question. It walked, you know, Paxson's built a couple good teams and. I was like, all right, this is out-of-town stupid. This sure is someone is. who doesn't. And I thought of you because you're the first one I heard. Yeah, he deserved to be booed. Oh. But whether I don't, I know it was Garpax being booed, but if they were booing Max's question. Yes, and that, like, it works. His, his lazy, out-of-town, stupid uh, handoff to Zach, it deserved to be booed. And then it ended up on national TV, fire Garpax. Oh, my God. And then the teacher has to quiet him down. So we'll talk to David Schuster at 11.45 this All-Star Weekend. At noon, Mark Gonzalez talk about the Cubs. We'll talk, get his take on what happened with Chris Bryant today. And uh, later on in the show, uh, 140, we will have transition with uh, Julie DeCaro and Maggie, and then we'll all get set for uh, um, Nina. We'll be here to sing her 1983 hit, 99 Left Balloons. In German, I hope. Well, well pick a language. All right, well. We'll, uh, are we going to take a break, Zach? Is that what we're going to do? Okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back at some point with Jack O'Callaghan, Miracle on Ice, one of the technical advisors for the movie Miracle, and just a story I will never let go of in my lifetime, the greatest sports story ever. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Matt Spiegel. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I got, I got to put the team first, but, uh, you know, it's just the situation we're in right now. Stop, 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 stop. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel with you. Saturday Suckage. Uh, we will have some uh, WB clubs and Wake and Bay Club news later. We are awaiting call from Jack O'Callaghan momentarily. Talk about the greatest sports story in my lifetime. But Speaks, you were referring to the baseballs running down the top 100 right now, MLB Network, yes, right? Yes. Number 95. Number 95 was Tim is Tim Anderson. Yep. White Sox shortstop. So the and, question and ninety six is Jose Abreu, ninety seven was Eloy Jimenez. There you go, ninety five through ninety seven. So the question tweeted out with Tim Anderson was: Would you rather walk one hundred times or win a batting title? And that was answered by in another tweet from Wade Boggs, who said, "What's wrong with doing both?" <laughs> and then there was a chin scratching emoji, uh-huh. and Boggs did that twice. Uh-huh. Uh, there was another time where he walked 107 times and hit 330, but he did not lead the league in batting. So he did lead the league in hitting twice with over 100 walks. Yeah, and he did. he was good. 330 is not good. He enough. was ridiculous. Yeah, I remember talking to a Red Sox scout who was there when Boggs showed up at spring training the first time and said, uh-huh. "Who is this kid hitting these line drives over the third baseman's head every time? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to keep doing that. He must be late." No, that was just where he was trying that's, to hit it every that's time. That's what he did. Yeah. Double, that's... double, 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 single, double, double. My first professional beat was the uh, covering the California Angels. At that time, they were managed by Gene Mock. And the Red Sox Angels are playing, and it's at Anaheim Stadium. And I just offhandedly, I, this sticks with me 40 years later, um, that Gene Mock said, uh, almost 35 years later, he said, "You know that Boggs? He could, he could hit twenty-five homers with that swing he's got." And he just happened to say that, and within two years, Boggs had hit 
25 homers, mm-hmm. allegedly to spite a friend who said, you're never going to hit more than nine. You'll never hit double figures. Oh, yeah? Watch this. That's apparently what happened. This hour on the score is brought to you by Fisher Oven Roasted Never Fried Snack Nuts. Never fried, nothing too high. Really then. So um, this is... 40 years ago, right? Yeah, this is, um, this is the start of Hockey Week in America. Tomorrow is officially Hockey Day in America. And Hockey Week in America is something that never would have happened unless unless the uh never would have happened unless it was unless the uh if the miracle on ice team had not done what it had done if there had been no miracle on ice is that him okay i didn't know it just didn't look like it there we go now i got it anyways this is hockey week in america because of what uh, a bunch of college kids did 40 years ago, 40 years ago next Saturday specifically, to the best hockey team in the world. They chased the arguably the best goaltender in the world and one of the most surprising gold medals ever. And we have Hockey Day in America tomorrow. We never would have had that without them. We have Hockey Week in America. Never would have had that. We're joined now by a man who is central to that accomplishment a, uh, the greatest sports story in my lifetime and one of the great guys on that team, Jack O'Callaghan. Jack, thanks for coming on today. Hi, guys. Yeah, it's good to be on. How are you? Uh, doing great. Doing great. So mm-hmm. the, 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 this, the story comes up every time this year. You get phone calls. <laughs> when it, what is your laughing? But when it gets brought up, what's the snapshot for you? What's the picture in your mind? What's the first memory? Well, I mean, I can't really answer that question. Like, what's the first thing? I mean, it's just a, it's sort of a whole sort of view of it all, right? Um, but at this point, uh, you know, 40 years later, even 30 years later, so as I've aged and, you know, over the years as it's, go- as it's gone by, it's really been just the discussions I've had, you know, like the conversations with people over these many past many years. It's just uh, – and that really, all the memories of the games and, and the, the lead up to it, the training and all that, and the, the games and the, the actual Olympics. Yeah, you know, it's all, all part of like this one big picture in my mind. But I really think about all these conversations I've had. And I tell you, I've had 40 years of fantastic conversations with people. Um, you know, it's, it's 100% positive all the time. Everybody's happy to talk about it. Everybody's full of, full of joy when they talk about it. And it, it just has given me 40 fun years, I'll tell you. 40 really fun years. Well, that's a beautiful way to think about it, Jack, because I I imagine it gets harder uh, the further away you get to remember the feelings of it, uh, you know, or or can you? Can you put yourself back there? It it probably takes a lot of mindfulness or meditation or whatever to try and get all the way back (laughs) there to to get to the feelings. Are you able to do that? Like close your eyes and, and remember what it felt like? Yeah, so much has happened since then. It's, it can, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I can, I can see myself there, and I can see my parents there, and I can see, you know, watching Eric Hyden skate. I can memory up memories of all that, and the, you know, watching the, the ski jumping, and and then playing in the games, and the, you know, the activity around the locker room and the hallways, and just the whole, the whole buzz of Lake Placid uh, during that time, that two week period. Yeah, it's all there, you know, but there's a lot of other stuff, too, that has happened since then that has been really fun. So, 
I've got a lot of great memories, you know, just from, you know, sports and the Olympics and college and the length and the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember it. I, I'm still pretty lucid. You know, I've cracked <laughs> my head a few times over the years. But I have a pretty good – my long-term memory is good. You know, I can't remember where I put my keys half the time. But uh, um, aside from that, yeah, it's all, it's all part and parcel of everything. And it's just – like I said, it's just uh, – it's, you know – we won, the, we won a national championship at Boston University in 78, but nobody talks to me about that, right? But in what happened two years later in 1980, everybody talks about that. So, I mean, that's sort of on the forefront of the discussion side, and that's why I, I just really enjoyed it, and I continue to enjoy it. Our guest is Jack O'Callaghan, a member of the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, Miracle on Ice. He joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Well, you know what? Disney didn't make a movie about that 1978 BU team, Jack. So, <laughs> Dis- you're right, they did not, and they, and they didn't make two of them. <laughs> and Disney did make a movie called Miracle, on which yeah. you were a technical advisor. Right. And I know that part of it, most people who come out of that movie, it's a wonderful, it's, a, it's a, the best sports group hug. But the speech, and boy, Kurt Russell, you had to know Herb Brooks to know how great Kurt Russell was as Herb Brooks, the cadence, the look. Um, if you could explain to the audience your feeling about watching Kurt Russell be Herb Brooks and then your contributions to that speech that we saw in the locker room before the game that would be played 40 well, years ago Saturday. Well, you know, the first thing about, about Kurt, obviously, great guy, right? Um, um, grew up in Western Mass and Springfield, Mass, right? Playing hockey as a kid, uh, became an actor. But you know, you don't know how difficult it is for a New Englander that is that is naturally grown up with the, you know that that New England accent, that Boston accent, and then try to speak like a guy from St. Paul, Minnesota. I mean, that was one of his <laughs> greatest accomplishments. <laughs> he was actually able to pick that up. Um, yeah, you know, I just got around the movie because I got to know the director, the director, right? So Gavin O'Connor and I kind of clicked very early on in the process. He's a New York guy, you know, city kid, you know, cops and firemen in his family, same as me. You know, we grew up in similar environments, him in New York, me in Boston. So we kind of clicked right away. And then he just, you know, he just asked me that, so, you know, he, he was a football player at UPenn, and he just said, Jack, you know, I, I'm looking at the script, and it's all about, like, hockey and this and that. He goes, and I know when – what makes great teams great is really what happens off the ice. And I need to know what happened off the ice and how you guys got together. And I said, look, Gavin, just, just ask me, you know, send me an email or something and I'll reply, you know, so he'd send me an email and ask me a question. And, you know, me, I'd give him, I try to give him the whole background and how he got to that point that he was asking about in six, seven word doc pages. And that, that probably happens six or seven times and eight times even, but um, yeah, you know, he just, uh, I, I mentioned something else in answering his his original question. I'd mentioned something else. Like I, I mentioned, you know, yeah, that was the night we were skating in the dark in Norway. And then he came back to me and he says, well, you answered my question, but now I have another question. What's that skating in the dark thing? Oh, I got to <laughs> tell him all about that. <laughs> and so a lot of these things ended up in the movie. And it's just my memories. And again, I took photographs. I, I, I was had a camera and I, I started taking pictures in the, during the world sports festivals in 79 and 78 and, took pictures all the way through our season. So I had pictures of everything and that was pretty easy for me to bring back some memories. You know, the Christmas party that's in the movie, that was not on the script. So there were a lot of things and uh, that Gavin, again, trying to figure out how we became friends, this 20, these 20 guys and how we interact with Herbie. Um, and yeah, so he kind of leaned on my memories of that a lot. And he talked to other guys too, I'm sure. And it was the same thing with Herbie's speech at the end. You know, he said, so what did Herb say? 
you know, before that, that um, rushing game. And I was like, well, you know, nobody taped it. Nobody wrote it down. I go, here's what I remember of it. So I kind of just wrote the whole thing out for him. And uh, that, from my memory. And, uh, and, I'm, and, you know, he probably talked to other guys too. I don't know, but I just gave him what I had. And then he created, he created that speech and it was, you know, everybody on my team would say, yeah, that's pretty much what he said. You know, everybody remembers it subtly differently, but the messaging and all that was really accurate. And, uh, and again, Kurt pulled it off, you know, it was a fantastic speech. I mean, little kids are dressing up on the internet now, you know, reciting the speech. So that's pretty solid. <laughs> 40 years ago this week, uh, Team USA completed the miracle on ice by beating Finland. I just showed a uh, Steve, uh, a picture of my folks, Jack. They, along with three of their best friends, couples, the eight of them, drove up from Jersey to Lake Placid, had taken oh, wow. had taken part in a, like a lottery a system where you get tickets to whatever events, and they ended up with tickets to that Sunday afternoon game against Finland. Yeah. When when you guys won the gold, and I had texted my dad, told him I was going to talk to you, and he said he just remembered the excitement was incredible, and at the very end. Everybody in the arena stood up and sang the national anthem together, and yeah. and it was unbelievable, man. Yeah, it's it's it's. He says driving home, like they every place they stopped, they said we were at the hockey game. I was like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody believed in that. Yeah. Well, but you, know, you think about you, know, you think about it. It was so it was an eleven a.m. Sunday morning game, and then after we played, the Russians played the Swedes. That was the final game, and then after that, they had the medal ceremony. So we win the gold medal. We know we won. We just beat Finland. And then, so now we got a couple hours to kill. It was really fun. But uh, you're right. After that game, you know, it was very patriotic flags and people were singing the anthem. And, and you know, we all, it, it was unbelievable. But, you know, you think back to the time, 1980. So, you know, I'm 22 years old. My team is anywhere between, you know, 19 and 25 probably. And, um, you know, we were the kids, we were like the children of, you know, the World War, World War II and the Korean War, the Vietnam War. You know, we grew up in that environment, with the Cold War, you know, with the Russians and all this stuff. And, and, and the hostages were in Afghanistan, you know, um, the hostages were in Iran. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and um, you also had, you know, gas lines and, and, and the Russians were in Afghanistan and they we had canceled the summer games. I mean, it was all this, just, you know, intense political pressure going on around the world and you know the the u.s was i mean the, the country was was very divided and um yeah we spent two weeks just basically you know being ourselves playing hard and really did i mean probably one of my greatest legacies was that how it just solidified the country it gave everybody in the country no matter what you believed in what your political views were what your race was you know what your gender was whatever it gave everybody something that nobody could argue with that this was freaking great right yeah it was we, sudden, it, it, yeah it pulled everybody together it was really awesome yeah we thought winning a hockey game was gonna uh bring the hostages home that's <laughs> that's the way it felt i mean it was it was that kind of yeah. that that kind yeah. of emotion was loosed on america right. and yet right. i know that you guys were either by design by herb's design or just by the nature of lake placid a small town and certainly there right. wasn't twitter and instagram you were fairly isolated from what was happening outside, weren't you? You were unaware of really what was sweeping America, weren't you? Well, it, it, not really. Um, no? I guess the answer is yes and no, right? So the no part would be, yeah, you're right. There was no Twitter, no Instagram. I mean, that was even down. That was, you know, there, were, there was basically no daily newspapers, okay? There was, <laughs> our, our news was, was two-day-old uh, two New York Post that we get, and there was, 
you know, there was no cable TV, no ESPN, none of that stuff, right? So there was no HBO. And um, so from that perspective, yeah, we were, you know, somewhat protected and we're in this little village up in, the, you know, upstate New York. But um, by the same token, you know, we, we probably got, we had to get 20,000 uh, telegrams from people as the games wore on. And it was, and our trainers had plastered them outside of our locker room on the wall. So think of these little, what are they, like, you know, four-inch by six-inch telegrams, yellow, with messages like, you know, you know, rooting us on and encouraging us to, like, you know, kill the Russians and all this stuff, right? So, I mean, but they were all over the place. And we had boxes and boxes. We had a room full of boxes of telegrams for people that they had. They didn't have room on the walls to put them up. So we knew that people were excited. You know, the telegrams are coming from Arizona and Montana and places where they didn't have hockey. So – we knew there was something going on. And then on top of that, you know, we're all college kids, right? So we had, you know, we, we knew what was going on in the world. I mean, we were kind of smart kids. We were in school just prior to this. And so, you know, we knew about the Cold War. We knew about politics and we knew about all that stuff and interest rates and blah, blah, blah. You know, we all drove cars and we knew what it was like to wait in a gas line. Um, <laughs> or we knew what it was like to, like, you know, do drills where you had to go into a bomb shelter, right? Just to, So we knew all that. And, um, yeah, but that being said, we definitely were – secluded up there in Lake Placid, which, uh, which was really great, man. It was just such a great venue for the Olympics. Um, they probably could never do it again, but it was, it was really special for us to be able to be there with, uh, with, you know, in that small place. Well, I know, uh, I know all 20 of you, uh, I believe you said Jack were together only once since then, as far as your memory goes, which was Herb Brooks's funeral, right? 2003. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, I mean, and, that's kind of, I, mean, I remember, I remember being there and I remember that, you know, we, we didn't all make it for the, uh, when we lit the torch in Salt Lake, I think Mike Ramsey couldn't make it. We had a big reunion after 20 years down in South Carolina golf course. And, you know, we played 16 guys there. There were other times where we have, you know, close to 20, anywhere from like say 15 to 18 or something like that. And I just remember at Herbie's funeral thinking, I was kind of looking around and I was trying to figure out who wasn't there or who hadn't been there. I mean, some guys came and then left, but we were all there on the same day. And I was trying to think like, who hadn't been there? And I was going through the list and through my mind and I was like, wow, everybody made it. Hmm. And then that was the only time I can remember that we, all 20 guys kind of did the same thing. And, uh, you know, we, whatever Herb, you know, we lost Herb. I mean, it's not that way to die. I mean, if you're going to go, I mean, he was too young, obviously, but, uh, you know, he didn't have to suffer through any long illnesses or anything like that, but, uh, sure was, sure was tough to lose him. Um, you know, and yeah, we were pretty sad about it and we, we were all there. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he was quite a man, quite a coach, uh, quite a person. So we were talking with Jack O'Callaghan, a member of the 1980 U S Olympic team. Uh, the, he was also a Blackhawk and a New yeah. Jersey devil. He came out of the, came out of the Olympics and became a Blackhawk, played for the Hawks, played for, the Devils and um, made home in Chicago for a long time, and at a certain point in time, late in the I want to say the early nineties, the Blackhawks hired a goaltender and consultant, and his name was <laughs> Vladislav Tradiak, yeah. who happened to be the goalie that the U.S. Olympic team ran from the net after the first period of that game, the fortieth anniversary of which will be celebrated next Saturday. And I know that when we did our miracle, our evening of miracle, and you were gracious enough to join us when the Tribune put it on, you were asked a question, had you ever come across 
Tradiac again. Yeah. And so I need you to tell that story that you did. You? I mean, because we've told it a few times. I don't want to bore your listeners. Uh, no. You know, I had seen Tradiac a few times. I knew they had hired him. When I was in Chicago, I was, I was a member down at the Merck. I was trading S&Ps. And, you know, I was around town, and I was, I'd go to games. And I knew Tradiac was around. I'd see him in the hallway. He's kind of hard to miss. You know, he's a pretty pretty distinct-looking man. Um, and plus, he was a lot of Tradiac. Anybody in the hockey world knew what he looked like. Um, so I, I'd seen him, but I just kind of ignored him, and I really wasn't around the Hawks or anything that much at that time. I had already spent two years in the Devils, and now I'm kind of working for a living with my raising my kids. And so, yeah, one night my son, we were out with my wife and my two kids, and uh, we were, you know, some like some one of those Japanese steakhouses up there, and I think it was Deerfield or something. And it, it, you know, I don't know which one it was, but it was a winter night, so it was a hockey game, it was a Sunday or something. He walked in. Trichak walked in with these other two Russians, like some woman, blonde, you know, total Russian, and some other dude, some big Russian, you know, hairy Russian guy, big dude, and then Trichak, you know, with this big fur collar, and this big coat, big hairdo and all this. And so he was sitting down there, and he sat in there, and they were, they were boozing a little bit. And my son says, my son was, I don't know, he's probably like five, six. He's like, hey, man, hey, Dad, isn't that like that guy from the Russian hockey team, that Trichak guy, the gold? I was like, yeah, I said he says, you should go over and say hi to him. And I just was like, he's having too much fun over there. I said, I've already ruined one night in his life. Why would I go over and ruin another one? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the story. Um, I have told it a few times, but uh, it was kind of funny. But uh, I actually never had met him. I had ne- I've never met any of those guys. I mean, I had some interaction with Fedosov about when the Olympics was in 2014 and 16. We were trying to get it, you know, here in Chicago, and they were trying to get the 14 game games in Sochi. So there was a little back and forth between he and I trying to figure something out to help the, you know, our federations. But obviously, it worked out for them. They got Sochi, and probably worked out for us too that we didn't get 2016 in Chicago. But um, anyway, but that was my only interaction with that with those guys. You know, I, I never really came across them. Uh, I I don't really care to ever come across them. Mm-hmm. You know. They've been slow. They uh, ten years ago they were floating. Oh, come on over. We'll do a charity game. Come over to Moscow. We'll we'll play against each other again for charity. And I was like, not a chance, dude. We're not going near those guys. <laughs> if we go to Moscow, we pro- they'd probably never let us come home. You know, that'd be the end of that. You'd never see us again. So, never tell that story anyway, again. All good. Yeah, it's all good. I just think that if if you know, as I said earlier, my my forty years of fun conversations. I mean, if they've had the flip side of that, if they've had forty years of conversations like. What happened to you? You know, all this negative stuff. I mean, these guys, you know, I don't think there's enough vodka in, in Russia to, to ease that pain. You know? <laughs> Jack, I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to yeah. you. It's great yeah. to talk about this story, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Sure, sure, guys. I, I, you know, all the time. It's good to talk to you guys. You know, I, I moved to Florida, but I'm kind of back and forth to Chicago all the time. I mean, I'll be in there Wednesday night. The Hawks are doing a really nice thing to sort of commemorate the Miracle on Ice, and I'll be there for that. And uh, then we're in Vegas this weekend, the Vegas Knights in Florida. Panthers are playing on Saturday night at the 22nd, which is the anniversary of the Russian game. And, you know, they're doing a nice thing. Most of our – pretty much all of our guys are coming. I mean, Mark, Mark Cavett won't make it. You know, he's, he's having a rough ride right now. And Bobby Suda, we lost him five years ago or so, so that was sad. But, uh, yeah, we're going to – you know, we'll celebrate it. Hopefully we'll still be here when it's 50th, you know. <laughs> we'll all be in our 70s then. And – uh Hopefully we'll hit. We'll all be having this phone call again. You know, I'm all for it. <laughs> Greatest sports yeah, story in my lifetime. Yeah. 
Thanks, Jack. Thanks, <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks again. Good talking to you. Thank you very much. All you right? you too. Enjoy all your teammates in Vegas, especially. That's going to be fun. That is uh, Jack O'Callaghan, uh, member of the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, the Miracle on Ice. Greatest sports story of my lifetime. Mm. And I just never, I've never gotten enough of that. Written about that every chance I could. Talked about it every chance I could. And and I just love that. I'm so happy Jack could join us. I just love that story. So thank you for indulging me, people. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we come back. Top of the hour, Mark Gonzalez. We will talk to him. His thoughts on Chris Bryant's performance today. The Cubs moving forward. With whom does he think? I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Matt Spiegel. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Top of the hour, Steve. We'll talk to Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune, right? I would talk to him about the Cubs and Chris Bryant. And did he did he not get a contract? Did he, did he not turn it down? Is there, is there not ill will? Stay tuned. Next, it's a radio tease, people. This is Saturday Suckage, but you knew that. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 